All right, everybody, welcome back. After uh, 4th of July holiday in the summer here in Ann Arbor, Michigan, uh, welcome back to another episode of the Michigan Rant with your truly Nick Longardner, along with Orion Sang. All right, how are we doing today? Pretty good. Sorry, I've got a cold. Yeah, uh, all good. I think I've got a virus from a child here. That's <laughs> one of those type of things here. In the Yikes. People get sick in the summer. That's never good. But uh, <clears throat> in any event, well, Orion's off uh, to... Uh, Georgia later this week for the Peach Jam, um, big basketball recruiting events. We figured we would get uh, a podcast in before that. We will cover some of the stuff you'll do or you're looking for down there. But first things first, uh, and then we'll get into some football things and then uh, questions. But uh, the bigger story of the weekend, or I guess it was weekend, it was Saturday. Uh, Franz Wagner commits to Michigan. Uh, obviously, Moritz Wagner's brother, uh, recruit John Beeline, had been on for forever, as we know. Um, and Juwan Howard with a, uh, with a big assist from Saudi Washington, and probably maybe even Mo Wagner and the program at large uh, are able to add uh, a very important piece uh, in a two guard that they, you know, like we said last week and in the previous weeks, a piece that they didn't have, right? So, I mean, we've gone over a little bit on what he is or what, what type of prospect he is. Just what does this mean overall uh, for the roster? What does it mean for, for Michigan to get a guy like this? Well, well Michigan was looking at the possibility of going into next season without any proven options at the two. Yeah. Um, and, and really at the three if you're slotting Isaiah Livers at the four. So they, they needed wings, and, and they got one in Cole Bajma, but Cole Bajma isn't as ready as Franz Wagner right. is. So Franz Wagner is as ready as a, of a college prospect as you'll see. I mean, he was playing against grown men, hmm. um, playing against pros uh, the past year and a half, and, and he played really well for, for a guy who's really young. He, he, he held his own. Um, so this is a huge get because essentially he's going to step in and, and be a starter. You would think. Yeah. Like that's the assumption. Is he's going to walk on the campus and he's going to start at either two or three, mm. and he's going to be pretty good. So Michigan's getting a really highly talented prospect who who also fills their biggest you know offensive need, and then that's outside shooting. Like yeah. Franz can really shoot. So. Right. That's just the strength of his game. Yeah. And as we discussed, uh, we've discussed previously with him. Um, he uh, played in a similar situation as, as Mo did in that uh, Albert Berlin youth uh, yes. youth team. However, um, I think we both agree, and everyone can agree, he's he was more ready uh, entering this stage of his career. So entering, entering college, he's much more ready to play than oh, yeah. Mo was at that age yeah. uh, when he came in. Yeah, different so positions, of course, but you know. Yeah, d- different positions, but he, he's vastly ahead of where Mo was, and I think even Mo would, would probably tell you that mm-hmm. just because Mo, Mo wasn't getting that much run no. with Albert Berlin's first team. Yeah, um, he was playing uh, two 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 years down, I think two tiers or one tier down, um, and Franz was getting a ton of run with Alba yeah. Berlin, which is in the top league, the Bundesliga. Right. Um, I mean, he was playing in the finals too. He he scored like fourteen points. He was a leading scorer in game two of the finals. So that, that's a pretty big yeah. Uh, pretty they big wanted him badly step forward. To stay, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, he would have been their centerpiece <clears throat> going forward. Um, I think some guy like Traffic Express at ESPN said that he's going to be a first rounder at some point. So Franz is a is a top prospect, um, and it's a pretty big loss for Albert Berlin. Like you you develop him for yeah. a few years, and then right. he, he goes to college. It's tough, but uh, it's a it's a win for Michigan and Juwan Howard, that's for sure. Yeah, and that's a that's a good segue because you know this was a <coughs> recruiting situation that, of course, by keeping Saudi Washington uh, on his staff, you keep yourself a chance. I, I would assume to stay in it. And the other thing, not to be understated. Um, is that Moritz Wagner loved his time at Michigan so much. Uh, the family, uh, of course, knew that and, and also loved uh, the area, too. I believe Franz had been here before, uh, probably a few times. Um, so I think that probably had a lot to do with it, but for, you know, John Howard's the head coach, so for him to be able to close on something like this, which certainly didn't seem like a slam dunk. I mean, this is a guy who actually has, if you really want to think about it, I mean, like, he had better options maybe than most regular recruits because he was like i mean he was directly going to get paid yeah right a away. pretty fair amount of money i, I would think <laughs> yeah. uh so it was either that or you know have a college experience for however long that'll be and so you still got to sell yourself right if you're john howard you got to be able to, to do that because this kid's like i'm not going to come in here and play for a guy who doesn't know what's going on so yeah. you know obviously that's a that's a big win there well it's a tough sell too because like you said franz doesn't know what machine basketball is going to look like he knew what machine yeah, basketball would look like yeah, under right. john beeline john beeline's gone so it, that doesn't matter anymore so he's yeah. taking a leap of faith because because if Franz had stayed in Germany, odds are that he would have become an NBA draft pick first round. That's yeah. what people are saying. He, he would have been paid. He would have been fine. Yeah. He's taking a leap of faith by coming to college into what is a somewhat unknown situation and playing for Juwan Howard. Yeah. Like that, that's a testament to what Michigan was able to pitch him on and to what John Bielen was able to build. Because Michigan, mm-hmm. as, as most people know, is, is a healthy program and all yeah. that. So, I mean... 
healthy brand, of course. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's an interesting scenario because you know most thing most folks uh, who follow European ball uh, closely have said that either next year or the year after that. Um, if he'd stayed in Germany, they were thinking either next year or the year after that he was going to be a draft pick and maybe a first rounder. Um, you know, of course that could still happen uh, if he comes to Michigan and has a great has a great uh, season or two or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But as important as anything else, now we look at the makeup of the roster. Uh, he's a six nine um, shooting. I guess he's a guard, wing, whatever, yeah, you know, yeah. whatever you want to call it. Uh, who he, can, he can play the two in this offense um, mm-hmm. or whatever offense they, they want to run in the college offense. Um, and as we said before, they don't really have another <laughs> uh, established guy like that, so I, I would assume your rotation would be something like uh, Simpson, Wagner. Um, oh God, who would be your, your three? Well, so, so it, really, it really depends, <coughs> it really depends on, on who they What you want to do with Livers and Teske? And well, well not even just that. It's, it's, it's who can develop faster between like Eli Brooks and Nunez and Bajma versus like Johns, right? Yeah. It's because they can... So, I mean, that's fair. So, so yeah, what they can do is... Slot, yeah. yeah, so, so my, my guess for, for the, the starting lineup... So you could lineup, say that three would be like a combination of you know, four different guys. Yeah, so, yeah. so my, my, my pick for the starting lineup as it stands today would be Simpson, Eli Brooks... Franz Wagner, Isaiah Livers, and John Teske. All right. But I think the key player in all of this is Brandon Johns. Because yeah. Brandon Johns, his potential is limitless. Like he can be right. a really good player. He just needs to learn, learn, learn more about the game. Right. Uh, maybe have it stop moving so fast for him. So, so by the end of the season, I wouldn't be surprised if it was something like Xavier Simpson, Franz Wagner, Isaiah Livers, Brandon Johns, and then John. That's Teske. what I was. Yeah. Like I wouldn't be. That surprised would probably be what you want. Right. Uh, probably if Michigan's best case scenario would be that. Yeah. Would be, but but even yeah. even that first lineup that that I listed with with Eli Brooks at the two, like that's <coughs> yeah, that, if it can that, improve and give you a better. I mean, he yeah. he had some nice moments at the end of last season, but it'd have to be a lot more. Yeah, and, and defensively, like he, he's a pretty good defender. Like that that would yeah. be a solid defensive lineup as well. So it depends. Like they, they've got livers who can play the yeah. two, three, four. So he's pretty versatile. Frost can play two or three. Um, so it really depends on. Guys at the so, two and four. A much needed addition because, as we discussed, yeah. um, you know, with a, like we just finally settled on it, they're much better with Franz Wagner than in a scenario without him. Because without yes. him, <clears throat> without him, I mean, I got to tell you, I, I just don't, I don't know how anyone was slotting them as a tournament team. And even now, I mean, my opinion is, I still think it's going to be, it's going to take some work to get there. I don't think yeah. that's a given, but it's yeah. certainly. A brighter outlook overall than what it would have been if he wasn't there. Yeah, uh, and Nezzy, a uh, loyal listener and longtime podcast friend, has been taking my words out of context. As I said a couple weeks ago, that I I don't think it would change my opinion on whether or not it would be difficult for them to get into the tournament, and I still stand by that. However, obviously they're better with him. Yeah, they, they are better. Uh, pro- a good a good amount, I would say. Yeah. So. Uh, so also the other part of that too uh, was the whole minor or secondary violation stuff. Uh, so it turns out that that was not. Uh, John Howard went on the radio with uh, the Sklar brothers. What was it la- uh, last Tuesday? Yeah, uh, they were filling in for Jim Rome, and uh, they asked him about Franz Wagner, and he started talking about him. And uh, yeah, so he asked uh, asked asked uh, some folks in Michigan uh, whether or not he had a financial aid agreement or or an LOI signed at the time of that interview. Um, and and did not get the answer that he did. Uh, so obviously that was incorrect. Um, you know, you know, wrote uh, the story that uh, it was possible uh, that it that it uh, would have led to a violation. Also wrote that uh, if they in fact had a signature from him, then then it wouldn't have been. Uh, so that's how that went. Uh, if that was a miscommunication on our part, I suppose, and we'll take the the fall for that. But in any event, we wrote. What was it? Friday or Thursday? Wednesday? Thursday? I don't Thursday. remember what day it was. Yeah. That uh, it was possible that that was a violation. I didn't write that it was. Mm-hmm. We wrote that it was possible. And then, of course, we wrote again on Saturday that it wasn't. So mm-hmm. uh, nothing there um, because, of course, they did have the signature on a financial aid agreement at the end of June. <clears throat> there was nothing sinister there from anyone involved. No. We weren't the only people who wrote the possibility that it was possibly a violation. Of course, I can promise you that no one was trying to get anyone or gotcha anyone. It was just a matter of, this has happened before. It's not a big deal, as we established as well in the original thing. It happened, uh, uh, as an example, with Jim Harbaugh's staff, with uh, Michael Zordich uh, that first year. Yeah. Um, when Harbaugh was here with Wayne Lyons, and it is what it is. It's nothing. You move on, and it's just another... If anything, I always look at it as an, as an example of how kind of stupid the... 
the rule book is because I think that rule is dumb. But whatever, it's not a violation. We also wrote that. Uh, if there was any uh, confusion brought forth by what we wrote, then uh, we'll take the blame for that, of course. But we also wrote uh, the regular situation, so nothing happening there. They move forward and into the Peach Jam this week. Oh, Ryan, you'll be there. This is a big... Uh, yeah. Always, it's an annual event. It's one of the biggest ones, or maybe the biggest uh, basketball recruiting mm -hmm. uh, event. And for Juwan Howard, I got to think this is a big one. This is a really big deal. Um, they probably laid some. I mean, not probably. They have laid groundwork with a lot of guys. They have, yeah. That they want to get in with, or that they want to come here uh, within not only this upcoming class they're going to try to put together here in the fall, but even beyond that. So, you know, you've laid your groundwork. Now's a chance for you to go. And be in a situation where the best of the best are there, all the big time schools are there, and you're going to be able to stand out and see if you can improve. Yeah, it's not it's not just that even it's also getting the chance to just evaluate players because I don't know how many times he's been able to see these kids. So just getting the chance to watch him play more, I think that'll help him flesh out his board, yeah, um, his, his recruiting board, his targets, the guys that he really wants. Um, I mean, you go through the list. There's a, there's a lot of guys with Michigan offers or interest going there. Um, should I just run on them? Yeah, yeah. Let's yeah. get into it. Um, so there's, there's Scotty Barnes. Um, he was he played for the same high school team as Jace yep. and Jet. Uh, there's Josh Christopher, who was Juwan Howard's first offer, I believe, as head coach. Yep. Um, there's Jace Howard, obviously, Juwan's son. There's Namari Burnett, who's from Chicago. Um, DJ Stewart, also from Chicago. Hunter, Hunter Dickinson. Mm -hmm. uh, he's a center who just got an offer um, pretty recently. Um, there's Isaiah Jackson. He's a local kid. Playing with the family. There's Carlos Johnson. I don't know if Michigan's still recruiting him. I'd be yeah. curious to find that out. Um, that's something I'm going to try to see. Uh, he, he was the target under John Beeline's staff, had an offer. Um, he's from Benton Harbor. And then 2021, there's A.J. Griffin Jr. Um, he's one of the best players in that class. He's also going to be there. Um, there's a lot of heavy hitters. Mm -hmm. You know, It's all the top teams on the top EYBL teams. Right. This is a Nike one for people. Yeah, it's the big one. It's a Nike one. Um, Adidas and Under Armour have their own respective tournaments. Sure, but this is the big one. The Peach Jam is the big one, yeah. So, a lot of top players there. Um, maybe I missed one or two. Adam Miller, too. He's from Chicago. Mm -hmm. um, Mac Urban Fire, that team is there. That's the, that's the Chicago team, the famous one. Mean Streets is there as well. Mean Streets <laughs> is the one that Ty Streets, yeah. the former Michigan football player, sure. started. So, some pretty big players there, pretty big names. So, we'll see. Um, and the interesting thing about this is we really don't know... <clears throat> Where uh, we really don't know where they stand with, with a lot of these guys. I think there's interest, yeah. and a lot of them are have come out and said, you know, yeah, I'm interested. But yeah. we just it's so new that it's really we just don't know where where some of these guys stand with them, whether it's just passing interest uh, or it's serious. So I mean, that's yeah. I would assume this is a type of week that maybe that could change, or maybe they could find somebody else. I don't know. I mean, we'll, it's an interesting scenario because this is also it's a tournament, but you're also around these guys, and you can you can talk to them, you can see them. You can do all the things that you uh, would want to do. They're all there. So, if nothing else, it's a chance for them to stand out in a crowd, right? I mean, because this is Duke's there, Kentucky's there, you know, Kansas. Everyone's Everyone there, is there. Yeah. This is the biggest off season. It's like uh, the most comparable thing would be as if college coaches got to go to the opening in football. Oh yeah, which yeah. they don't get to do. But I mean, if they did, that's a good. That's, that's a good, what this yeah. would be like. It would be like the opening where your top hundred prospects uh, out of the top one hundred prospects consensus nationally, you know. Half of them are there, yeah. right? I would say yeah. something like that. But the opening with five days long, like this thing is really long. Yeah. Well, yeah. So it's several. So it's a week. So yeah. it's it's something that it gives you an opportunity to be around them. Yeah. Uh, to watch them play multiple times. Yeah. yeah. It's a huge. I mean, it's so big. It's basically. It's almost on the side. It's. So people have probably written about this. It's like a. It's a big networking event for coaches too. Usually, because yeah. there's so many of them there. Yeah. But you know, I mean, it's it's. Uh, Obviously an important, not like an end-all, be-all, make-or-break type situation, but an important week to where you just listed off a bunch of guys who are pretty highly rated uh, and are good players that, uh, you know, if you can get two of them to, you know, turn their head a little bit harder, then it's a win. Yeah. And if you can get two of them to say, I'm going to come on campus in the fall or something, then I would say that's a that's a victory. Yeah, I was, I was going to say that. I was like... If, if they can get a couple of these guys to set up official visits for, yeah. you know, the fall or football season, that's, that's a big win for Michigan. Um, just because, I mean, we've touched on this before, but November early signing period, like that's going to be a, a somewhat of a deterrent for Juwan in, in the 2020 class just because he, he took the job relatively late in the cycle. Yeah. I, hate, I hate that I'm saying it, but it's just like recruiting is so accelerated now. Like, it's, right. like it's basically that's, that's how it is now. It's like a lot of the kids are going to be off the board in November. 
and, and a lot of them have already taken visits places. So, so Juwan, for him to be successful, he has to get some of these kids on campus in the fall. Well, that's the big one, and that's what I was going to get to at some point with this, is what, what a win would look like uh, at a week like this, which is kind of weird and different. I mean, obviously mm -hmm. a win would be if you get somebody to commit, but you yeah, know, that's, that's probably not likely. No, okay. <clears throat> so a win would be if you can get one or two of them to, you know, maybe somebody comes to your elite camp or something. Mm -hmm. uh, that's like in... What, the end of this month or next month, something like that? August 3rd. Oh, yeah, early August. So, I mean, maybe somebody says, I'll, I'll come and play at your league camp and I'll make that into a visit and we'll do all that. Mm -hmm. If only one or two, if one or two guys do something like that, I think that's a, that's a pretty big deal. Uh, but this is, this is the week where you can really get out there and uh, not only evaluate, and that's the other part of it. You go watch these guys. They've offered a bunch of them. Maybe there's some of them on that list that he's like, eh, I don't think so. Yeah. You know, maybe he watches some guys and says... We're gonna pass on that because yeah. I don't like if that fit. You know, or, fit. or on the, on the other hand, he sees a guy that he didn't right. really know before, yeah. and, and they blow up, and he's like, yeah. "Okay, I want to target this kid now." And that was usually that, that the beeline mode. Uh, that that happens model. all the time. Yeah, yeah. Cole Badger last summer blew yeah. up in AU, and AU play, and Michigan was all over him because of that. So. And that was usually the beeline way of recruiting, which was he <laughs> he would recruit the guys who were you know teammates of the big time uh, star who nobody talked to or paid attention to, and oftentimes those guys would end up being pretty good players. So maybe he does that too. But, I mean, it's just an interesting uh, time for him. Is, is it, Everything's still brand new. In that, how is he going to recruit? What's his recruiting pitch going to be like? I'd be interested to hear what some of those kids have to say about it, you know, that mm -hmm. kind of thing, and everything else. So an interesting week. This is, a, this is their busiest time, I would think, of the summer right now um, for basketball. As they've, oh, yeah. they've now – before we move on, because uh, then we have a lot of questions about it. They're now at 11 scholarships. Mm -hmm. um, you still have two more open. Uh, I would think you'd still want to fill that with one more if you can. I don't know if that's going to happen, though. Yeah, it's getting pretty late. Because it's, it's, it's very late. really late, yeah. yeah. I mean, so, I mean, playing with 11 is not ideal. No, but... It's better than 10. <laughs> but, it's better than 10. Yeah. Especially because the 11 is, is such a highly touted guy. It's way better yeah. than 10. And, and we've also talked about this before. And if but, you want to rack it up your next class, yeah, right? you, you, you don't want to like you, you don't really want to hamstring yourself and, and give out a four-year scholarship to a kid who no. who you realize down the road can't really or doesn't doesn't figure into your plans. I guess would be the best way. No, to say. yeah, that's that would be my biggest concern. Like you don't want to just um, yeah add someone for the sake of adding someone and then find out that it's not the best possible fit down the road and then then what God, do you the do? The latest I can think of like when Beeline uh, when he added. Uh, Muhammad Ali Abdul Rahman and uh, late, Aubrey yeah. Dawkins that one year. It was really late, but that I, that wasn't even June. I think it was like May. Yeah. Uh, Spike Albrecht was late. Um, but those were guys that he even said after the fact, you know, like, you know, he used to make the joke that uh, Spike was either going to, you know, uh, get me a raise or get me fired, you know, for giving a kid a scholarship that late that, you know, you you really hadn't seen much of. And, and you're, I mean, it could be could have been a waste, right? But obviously that worked out. It worked out with all those guys, really. Dawkins transferred or whatever, but yeah. still. Um, he was a good player for them. Yeah, so even then, that was not this late. So now I, I really don't know. I, I would doubt it would be a high school player. Well, I, would, uh, I, would, I don't know how that would even yeah. happen. I mean, most of them are gone, so yeah. it would have to be a grad transfer. Out of, out of nowhere, yeah. you know, grad transfer, something came open. But yeah. we'll see. Uh, is there any football? Sorry, I'm uh, hacking up here. To get into... Uh, it was the last time we did a podcast. It was la a week before last? Yeah, two weeks ago. Maybe they got, a, they got Roman Wilson and Chris they Jenkins got, got, since we last Okay, talked. so we've talked about uh, Jenkins. Um, yeah. We have not... I don't think we discussed Roman Wilson much. Another one of these... I mean, he is a legit... I mean, he's a 4-3... Four three seven. Simon, yeah, he's a burner. Yeah, that's a laser time. Four three seven. Four three seven guy. Uh, what was he? Six foot receiver from yeah. Hawaii. Uh, who had a, another guy with a nice offer list, but a, just a straight burner. I haven't watched enough tape to really get into it with him, but man, I mean, I can't with these with these laser times now with these forties. These aren't made up. These no, are not. These, these are, are these are real times. times yeah. So back in the old days, in the old days, I mean, like as of like five years ago, yeah, even less than that. These I mean, forty times were. You know, bullshit half yeah. the time. I mean, they just were. I mean, it was, and so you couldn't you couldn't cite them, you couldn't use them. These are real. No, These are yeah. real forty times. I just yeah. did a whole thing today on um, Quentin Johnson. Quentin Johnson. Yeah. And if you go back and look at his twenty eighteen opening profile, oh yeah, those numbers are all verified. I mean, and he's one of the he was one of the best athletes at that at that camp. But he's a 
those are all verified times and numbers and jump numbers and everything else. And so 437 is 437, man. That's not made up. That's legit. Yeah, that, that's that's one of the things I look for now whenever it comes up. Well, you have to because it's a, it's a great tool. I, I, yeah. I look directly for the Spark score, you know, yeah. like the Spark profile. The overall, yeah. yeah, the overall Spark score, you know, their individual testing numbers. Like, this Roman Wilson, it's not just his 40 time. His yeah. shuttle time was really good. Yeah, the track numbers are elite. His, his, his shuttle time would have been among the best of the NFL combine this, this season. I believe this it was year. better than Daxon Hills. Yeah. Um, and it would have been, yeah, it would have been up there. Yeah, it was like a 396, 397. Yeah. Yeah, and if so. those things are verified at, and run at, uh, at an opening regional or final, yeah. then they're, ver- I mean, they're laser time. They're yeah. not made up. No. I mean, I, real. I, maybe there's some margin for error but <clears throat> with a laser time somewhere, but I mean, that's a pretty good picture of, of I, how that I, works. I think it's, I think it's pretty realistic because you, you see some of these five star kids, they're running four sevens, four eights. In the past, it would have yeah. been four three, four. And four. they would have just lied and yeah, said this guy yeah. runs no, whatever. There's five star receivers that are running like four sevens. Yeah. So I mean, so he obviously fits the profile. The one thing I will say, um, I do think they, they have to find some size. Uh, yeah, uh, not a ton, but I mean, they have, they've got to have something. Um, whether it be a Brendan Rice, Brendan Rice would be the, yeah, um, I mean, I can't think someone else, else, but he would be probably the favorite uh, to get that spot. But and he's a six two, uh, two oh four, yeah, something like that. Yeah. Pretty fast too. He ran yeah, a four six two, four six something. Yeah. So you gotta, you do have to find some size because they're they're about to run into a situation. I feel like here where really quickly where that size all gonna is going to be gone. And uh, you know, I know that they like uh, Eric All um, as a as a hybrid probably like a slot tight end kind of thing that maybe he can be a big guy who at some point if he develops mm-hmm. into his body more he can split out like Funchess used to. Yeah. Uh, maybe you can do that with him. Um, and that Johnson. would be a big win. Cornelius Johnson too. But I mean, you know, you, you got to get one more, man. I mean, yeah. like, and I like Johnson's tape a lot. I mean, I think he's going to be a nice player. So that's one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you need to sign one more. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think you can get by with that. I don't think you need like an overload of it. No, you know, especially if you have enough speed to go around. Um, well, that'd be my one thing though. Is yeah. a little more size. Just, just look at Ohio State. They had two big guys this past season. They had Benjamin Victor yeah. and Austin Mack, and then Mack got hurt. And really, at the end of the season, it was just all these, yeah, you know, these six foot just running around, small yeah. guys yeah. running crossing routes. You don't really don't need right. that many big outside receivers, you know. So. And, and a lot of speed, of course. This is now the third guy in this class uh, with AJ Henning, Eamon Dennis, Roman Wilson. Am I, am I missing anybody? The third quarter. Oh well, yeah, he's, he's a running back. He's a I mean, back, receiver yeah, yeah. But receivers, uh, that yeah. fits that profile of just an yeah. underneath guy who can just run uh, and get himself open. I mean, get himself open off the slot. Um, they're not outside guys for the most part, I wouldn't think. But then again, I don't think that's a big deal. Yeah. Uh, you can you can get those guys open and, and let them get into some space and let them run. So place for a big program too, big time school, St. Louis in Hawaii. Yeah. They have yeah. all the top prospects, yeah. a ton of them. So a nice player, a nice yeah. get. Um, they are up to 22 commitments at the moment. Uh, if we're going to count Gage Garcia, so maybe people are or aren't. So 22, uh, still more to come there, I'm sure, before it's all said and done. Um, well, certainly more to come before it's all said and done. So um, that is it on the recruiting front uh, in terms of things that happened. Uh, we're still getting through the... Uh, the uh, incoming freshman stuff. Uh, the last couple that I did were uh, we did Quentin Johnson today, did Carson Barnhart last week. Um, <clears throat> I did Giles Jackson last week. Um, I think Cornelius Johnson was last week as well. Maybe, you know, Anthony Solomon was last week, and Trevor Keegan was last week as well. So go uh, treep.com, look for those. Those are all up there. Um, and just uh, it's been an interesting. I always like doing these because it gives me a chance to watch all of them again uh, longer. Um, you know, and I watch a guy like Carson Barnhart, and I remember, you know, why. Maybe I think that's a pretty good pull. Maybe more than I would have if I had originally, yeah. um, just by glancing at it. Where I think he, well, I, a unique prospect anyway. Yeah. So I mean, you really like the guys who play basketball in high school, like the big guys. Well, yeah, for a, for for somebody like that, especially. Yeah. I mean, he is. Um, he's not just like a. <laughs> a BS basketball player. He's good he at like, basketball. He's a pretty good he's, basketball, he's good at basketball player. Yeah. Like I mean, he could, yeah. could dunk and move and, yeah. and run, and he was blocking shots and everything. And, and I watched uh, his basketball tape for like twenty minutes. Yeah, I was yeah. like, this is really good. He's really good at basketball. Yeah. Um, his, he's he's somebody catching bodies at the IM building. Yeah, time. right, <clears> right. So like a like... six four, <laughs> probably like a six four guy, maybe six five, uh, who I bet came. I bet he showed up at like. Uh, well, I shouldn't say that. I bet he's put on weight yeah. uh, in the summer, but I bet. 
I bet when uh, he signed, I bet he was like 260 pounds. Yeah. You know, and that's good. You I want, think that's yeah. good. I think you, uh, if you get a guy like that that's like 260, 270, and you say, okay, it's January, maybe you enroll early and we'll take care of it here, but maybe you come in in fall, or in, I'm sorry, in the summer, and maybe you're 275, mm-hmm. and then we can get to work with you. And there's no bad weight. Because a lot of times these guys come in here, I can't stress this enough, these big 300-plus pound dudes, more often than not, they come in here, and the first thing that the strength staff says to them is you have to drop 20 pounds. Mm-hmm. You have to cut all the, the sloppy weight off. and that's like So that's going to be a whole process. We have to make sure we do that before we do any strength gains or any stuff that's really going to make you a better player. You have to get rid of all the junk, mm-hmm. and then we have to build your body up. Carson Barnhart, nah, he doesn't have to do that. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing. Is, is I remember reading Two Versus Seven Sports had a really good article, um, a lot of good research. It, it was on... They're they're looking at you know drafted offensive linemen, oh, yeah. highly drafted offensive linemen, highly yeah. touted offensive linemen. What, what they looked like when they got to college, yeah. And and a lot of them it was they come in at like two sixty, two seventy, right. and then you build them up. Honestly, most of them yeah, nowadays. It's it's not the only road. Like you can get the guys who come in at like three hundred pounds sometimes, three hundred ten, and, and they they go on to become fine players. Well, they're just studs. Guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, it's it's the trend nowadays to get offensive linemen who are undersized and then build them up that way yeah. and then they become killers you know that's that's how yeah it everybody's works. running more zone stuff anyway yeah. so it makes a lot more sense but i mean i always go back to a coach told me like seven eight years ago mm-hmm. that offensive when the recruiting calendar really started to speed up to where you were having to evaluate kids as freshmen and sophomores that he was saying offensive line recruiting is impossible he was like i can't what do we i don't know what to do because you were trying to evaluate a 14-year-old kid uh, as an offensive lineman. And you were just like, unless the kid is already 310 pounds, right. I don't know what we're supposed to be looking at here. And oftentimes with that, you'd see a lot of those kids that were 300 pounds as sophomores in high school. They would either That would either be the peak of their growth. They were never going to get any bigger. They were never going to get any whatever, you know. And then by the time they got to campus, they got bigger, but in a bad way. It was like they'd ballooned and their weight had gotten out of control. And then they had to do that whole process of we got to drop weight and then we got to build you up, mm-hmm. and it just doesn't work. Uh, but if you take your time on some of these guys, like Jeffrey Percy, the kid they just got yeah. a couple weeks ago, two sixty-five, six six six, two sixty-five, yeah, six seven, big long arms. Yeah. And you just if you if you squint and you look at his tape and you say, okay, we can work with a lot of this stuff. He's got he's he's able to bend well, all that stuff. The strength gains. That's why you pay those strength staffs yeah. all that money. You're right. going to do that with every player you get. Yeah. So, I, I it guess just makes sense to not have to just skip the the step of like, let's make sure this kid doesn't have a weight problem mm-hmm. first, and then we'll just and then just get ready to build him up. So yeah, the, the modern a modern day tackle prospect looks like Ryan Hayes or Jalen Mayfield. Sure. Like those two guys scream. Like Mayfield modern. was probably on the uh, upper end too, upper echelon. Yeah, but he was like as a guy who was probably close to being ready to play when he got here. Yeah, yeah. Or probably was ready to play when he got here. Yeah. So those two guys. Are, <laughs> But yeah, that's what that's what. Uh, whenever I see guys like that, I I really enjoy watching their stuff because we can watch the big the big dudes, and there's nothing wrong with that. But no. a lot of times they just roll on guys, <laughs> there's, and it's like you're yeah. just that's not what's going to happen at the next level, man. Yeah. Like it's just not. So one one more note on Barnhart. I remember um, there's a clip from this past winter. I think there's a huge brawl. Oh, the yeah, and somebody he, showed me that. He just yeah. clocked the guy. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, he's got a lineman's disposition, you know? That's, yeah, that's he was, like, running mentality. to defend a teammate or something. Yeah, he, he just, was. like, cleared just, out. Of, <laughs> just yeah, yeah. Yeah, That showed his speed and his uh, his ability to yeah. uh, get low and block some people. All right, <laughs> so uh, we'll go into some questions. I know we got quite a few today. Let me go find uh, a question deal here. Um, also, as a PSA, I believe uh, Big Ten Media Days are... <laughs> Next week, if I'm correct, yeah, at the end of next week, our Big Ten Media Days in Chicago. So we will have football for you uh, sooner than later. Uh, they're moved up a little bit this year. This, uh, they're earlier than they've been in the past. You book your trip at? Yes. So, yeah, that will be uh, Thursday and Friday, I believe. Thursday, Friday. Michigan will go Friday, I think. I'm not sure who they're bringing yet, but they'll go Friday. All right. Uh, first question, Eric. Uh, how large will the quarterback running game be uh, be in this offense? We know the status of the running back room, and we saw Shea Patterson be effective in this ordering game multiple times last year. I would think that it would have to be um, probably uh, pretty close to what it was a year ago uh, with maybe maybe add a little bit more in there. 
Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, it depends on what they can handle, I guess. That's one of those things that's going to depend on, as they go forward here, whatever your quarterback is capable of doing. Every guy that they sign from here on out is going to have to be able to do it. Um, how much you use it, I guess, would be a, you know, I don't. I wouldn't say Shea Patterson's running game is his strength, so I'd rather have him throwing the ball. Yeah. But you want to do it enough to keep him honest uh, and make sure that that's a possibility, you know, kind of as they move forward. I don't know if I would overload it, though. Yeah. And that's where people get into the questions about, are they going to bring in packages and stuff and I I don't like that. Not a fan. Do you have any uh take on that? No. About the same. No. I think on the Shea, like like it, it's good the way it was last season. As as like you know that Yeah, I think so. As your change up, you know. Yeah. Um big plays, you pull it out, change of pace. Well it keeps people honest if you're yeah. gonna run if you're gonna run split zones and stuff all the time yeah. too, uh you gotta he has to pull it at some yeah, point. You gotta yeah. pull it at some time. Yeah. Otherwise it's not gonna really work. Yeah. Um Jonathan, uh, beyond Franz and Cole Bajima, is there any chance to pick up anyone else for this upcoming basketball season? We kind of touched on that earlier, but I just, you know, I don't even know if that's, unless something came came out of the blue, hmm. which would be really awfully late here. Um, for someone to say I'm grad transferring in July, it would almost be unheard of. It's not a good sign. Yeah. yeah. For a player, I mean, it'd be like, why, why is this happening now? Well, as I touched on, like a month ago, I think the only way I can see it happening is if some program like gets cratered, yeah. yeah, like with violations or something, to a point of like you're on probation now and like your guys are now immediately eligible to leave. That would be the only way. Yeah. So and supposedly we are supposed to hear about something yeah, like that soon. So, so I don't that know. stuff's supposed to be coming down the on the pipe here, so maybe that'll happen. I don't yeah. know. But that would be it. That would be in my. That's it. I don't know well how else uh, to slot that. Alex s uh, if Franz was rated by a recruiting site, how many stars do you think he'd have? Uh, some some guy was like, um, in my Twitter mentions or something a while ago, and then Evan Daniels ended up responding. Yeah. And saying that uh, he'd be like a top fifty level prospect. Yeah. So um, four star. That seemed that seems all right. That's a that's a high four star. Yeah. Honestly, like I could even see it being higher than that, just based on. Because Franz took a pretty big leap. He got this better past than season. Yeah. Like late in the year here. Well, yeah, because because. I mean, at this time last year, he was with the like their junior team. He yeah. wasn't with the pro. He team. might have been a sleeper. Uh, yeah. Prospect. Yeah, and and then underrated is, at fifty or something. This is a full season after playing with like grown men, like Derek Walton Jr., like yeah. Bain Siva. Like he's he's going up against grown men and, and playing well. Um, yeah. So I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if if he was a little higher than that. Obviously, it, it doesn't matter. You know, like people know what type of player he is. Right. The, the star rankings, it's like it's whatever. Um, so yeah, I don't, it I don't doesn't think, matter. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't matter for, yeah. for context sake. Yeah. It's, I think the general consensus is it's like a guy in the forties or fifties. Like yeah. I think a guy like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, who usually that's our, those are good players. Those are players who play right really away. Really good players. Yeah, that's that's uh, right around where Jalen Wilson was. Yeah, so. guys who play immediately. Yeah, Brad um, Jacobs was there too. Yeah, yeah, somewhere in there. Uh, yeah, that's a fair. He'd probably be somewhere wherever Iggy ended up. Yeah. I would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joe, setting aside the near irrelevance of preseason rankings, what are your initial thoughts of Phil Steele placing Michigan at number three? Behind Clemson and Bama. Um, I don't know. I mean, you just kind of said it before you got into the question. They're setting aside the relevance of the preseason rankings. There's a reason I don't do the poll anymore, the AP poll vote. Uh, it's because the preseason one is the worst. It's the hardest thing to do out of all of them. Is Michigan number three? I don't know. I mean, maybe Phil's trying to sell some magazines. Maybe he thinks they're number three. I don't know. They're probably a top ten team, right? I, don't, I think that's fair. Um, but as we've discussed in the past, like, after Clemson, Alabama, and maybe Georgia, it gets kind of like, who knows? Uh, you know, with Urban Meyer gone, I always think yeah. it's still loaded, but I don't think I would, I would, I don't think I would put them lower than 10. Um, I'd probably put them in somewhere in six, six to 10, six to 10 range. Yeah. yeah. I was thinking seven. Yeah. Where'd they finish last year? Like 10, 11? Beyond that, right? Was it, well, maybe Florida yeah. bumped yeah. them down at the yeah. end when they didn't have all their guys. Yeah. But they were probably like eight, seven or eight yeah, yeah. When, when before the bowl game. That's yeah. probably where I'd put them. Yeah. Something like that. I think that's fair. Uh, three, I don't know. But then again, maybe that speaks to the fact that beyond number two, no one really knows. Could be. Yeah. Um, Jordan, name one player on offense, not Shea Patterson, who has to play at an all-Big Ten level or higher for Michigan to have a legit chance at beating Ohio State and making the title game yeah. or the playoff and or the playoff. You want to go first? One player on offense who has to play at an all-Big Ten level <clears throat> or higher. Um, yeah, it would have to be uh, one of those uh, one of those receivers. 
It'd have to be Peoples Jones. Yeah. Uh, and or Nico Collins. I would probably say two of the three. They have to. Two of those three have to be dudes, and I think they will be. But I mean, they have to be elite players. Yeah. Uh, this season and. For them to reach their ceiling, uh, two of those three, probably all three, really would have to. Be, they have to be at the best, the best they can possibly be this year. They have to be guys where, when Michigan takes the field on offense, every defense they they line up against has to be extremely worried and concerned about how we're going to how we're going to cover all three of these guys. Mm-hmm. You have a quarterback who's pretty accurate, uh, who knows what he's doing, who's not going to make unnecessary risks or, or do stupid stuff. If they're open, he's going to give them the football, and if they're if we can't cover them, it's going to be a long day. That's how you would want everyone to look at you, including Ohio State, a defense, by the way, that had serious problems last year and is being now coached by Greg Madison, who hasn't ran a defense since like what was it, twenty fourteen? Yeah, and Jeff Halfley, and, who's, yeah, another right. So the receivers, I mean, and, and I expect at least two of the three to be very, very good. I would say if I had to do an All Big Ten team today. Peoples Jones and Collins would probably be on it, uh, or, first they'd be, team or, or they'd be. Uh, if I had to do top two, yeah, top two, yeah. they'd be somewhere in there, right? Yeah. I mean, they'd be first or second team, I yeah. would think. First, first Is team, that fair? First team, I'd probably do Peoples Jones, Rondale Moore, and yeah. Tyler Johnson. All right, well, be my first. But team. in the top and six, second team would be probably like J.D. Spielman, <laughs> Collins. Yeah, and so there you go. Two in the top yeah. six. There you go. Yeah. So you've got a you know one of the best receiving cores. Uh, on paper, those three guys have to be dudes. I don't know. What's your answer? I picked three, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I was gonna say to, I was gonna say the receivers yeah. too, um, TPJ in particular. But I guess t- to make it more interesting, I think. Yeah. I mean, I think it'd be good for Michigan if Caesar Ruiz took the next step and, and became sure. a really good player there, just a stabilizing force. He was a good player last season, yeah. but to, to continue. He says all Big Ten level, so yeah. that's fair. Right? Yeah. I mean, so I think stepping your game up. Yeah, I think. I mean, that's important for Michigan. Yeah, because the run game, as we've we've talked about a lot, um, is still a question mark in terms of who's going to run the ball, mm-hmm. and that running back's probably going to have to get a lot of help from the offensive line. I think the offensive line will be solid this year, but mm-hmm. you know, if, if they all do a little bit more than they did last year, I think they'll be in the right spot. Yeah, they already have two All Big Ten players yeah. in Ben Bredesen and John Runyon. If they can get a third, more, more I mean, yeah, pretty good shape. Um, Beave, what is your perception of how Harbaugh has changed from day one? To now of being Michigan's head coach, how he's changed. Uh, well, he's a little more toned down, right? I think that's probably fair to say. He's mm-hmm. a little more muted, um, but not always either. I, I don't know if I would even say that. Uh, he he's not as active with the with the side stuff, the social media. The he's not, he doesn't do as much of that. I think I think a lot of that though was like the first year. If people remember back. Um, I say this all the time. Like he just got out of a really terrible situation in San Francisco uh, in terms of a workplace. Like he was miserable. Like and he just felt. I mean, that's pretty well documented, right? Everybody knows he hated them, but they hated him. In terms of they being Jed York and Trent Baalke. so he did not get along with his bosses, and he was kind of miserable and just wants to coach football. So he leaves that situation and goes to a place where everybody loves him. And I think he kind of looked at those first several months a little bit like a personal fantasy camp because he did all these like crazy things that he probably just didn't get to do or didn't have time to do or whatever and yeah. you know the offseason in college football is not as I mean it's active but it's not like the NFL where you're still you're holding certain things I guess it is it's probably more so rec- recruiting but still I mean there's certain pockets where you can do some things oh, and yeah, get out yeah. and do, be be kind of uh, have a little more fun I guess if that makes sense so there was a lot of that that happened that doesn't happen as much anymore um but I still think if you catch him on the right day, he still can crank it up on just about anything. But um, I would say, the one thing I will say, I think he's more organized. I think their staff is more organized. I think, though we've talked about this, the way that they've uh, recruited the last two cycles, this one and the last one, um, in terms of the plan, in terms of everything that they put, set forth, were probably the best to put together. You know, maybe Maybe they didn't get the best players overall, like those first couple classes, but... Those were haphazard, haphazardly put together. Those were, yeah. Those were throwing offers at the wall and pumping them all over the place, and it was it very much spoke of a guy who had just come back from the NFL, who was still yeah. reacclimating to college, who was reacclimating. And Juwan Howard would go through the same thing, reacclimating or acclimating to a different scenario and system. And you find your own groove at some point. Yeah. When they hired um, Sean McGee in 2017, I think it was, to 
basically run and stabilize all of the behind-the-scenes stuff, the mm -hmm. operation stuff. I think that helped them a great deal. Yeah. And they are more organized overall, I they, think, as a staff, as a recruiting plan, as everything, uh, yeah. the training staff, everything else. They hired Dudek in, in July 2017? Yes, and uh, right around the same time yeah. as Sean McGee. So. <clears throat> but Sean is involved in more than that. And, exactly, um, yeah. You know, from, uh, I mean, people can think of what they want on this stuff, but, I mean, like, even down to the the, the strength stuff, the nutrition stuff, uh, all the stuff behind the scenes uh, is more organized today than it was two or three years ago or certainly five years ago, and that's to be expected. I mean, he, he'd been out of college football for four years, and we know how fast things change uh, in this sport. So that would be the one thing I would say more than anything else, all joking aside, whatever, or the mm -hmm. fun stuff aside, is I think he's more organized. And I think he's a college coach now, you know. When he came back, I, he was a he was a football coach trying to learn the college game again and uh, how everything works. And now I would say he's a he's back to probably being a college coach. Yeah, if that makes any sense. Um, uh, Scotty says, "What are Michigan fans overhyping this summer? What's the cold water that needs to be dumped on my head uh, to calm me down here?" Um, uh, and then MC says. The cold water would be your defensive tackle and cornerback depth. I don't know. What are what are what are some cautionary things that you would point to to calm somebody down if they're getting uh, to the point where they normally get here in July and August? You're saying to calm someone down. Yeah, to, to say, say like, like maybe you need to breathe a minute before you book your ticket to the wherever the college playoff is. I'd probably pull up the results of the last <laughs> decade against Ohio State yeah, and just right. say like all right. I'd, but I mean, yeah. I mean, like on the roster, though. I mean, for me. Okay, on the roster. Yeah. yeah. It's just, it's just, it's not necessarily. I mean, defensive tackle and cornerback. Yeah, I think they can get around the defensive tackle thing. But yeah, it's the defense in general. It's, yeah. It's just the general. You've lost guys at every level. Yeah. Uh, up front, in the middle, and on the back end. I mean, it's. I, I don't think it's going to be a certainty that uh, they're a top five defense. I mean, it will be, no. but I don't think that we can lock that in and say that's going to happen. Whereas you could do that last year, certainly with them. I would think with everything they had coming back. It's it's a little different from the last time they had to sort of reload because after 2016, going into 2017, they were they were replacing NFL guys with dudes like yeah. Sean Gary, Chase Winovich, <laughs> Devin Bush, Levert Hill, David Long. Um, you, you look at those type of guys and you're like, well, we know they're going to be good. Like we're we're pretty sure they're going to be really good. Yeah. They play now, a lot, yeah. now it's a, it's a little more uncertain. Like guys who are replacing them, you know, like a cornerback. Um, you got Levert back, but you're not yeah. sure who else is going to step up there. I assume Ambry Thomas will start, but even then, you're not really 100% sure, right? Vincent Gray. Yeah. Um, and then you look at linebacker. It's like Josh Ross, but can you beat him? Yeah. Who, who who knows? And and defensive line, you don't have a Rashawn Gary and Chase Winovich stepping in. Nope. You know, you you don't have that anymore. So it's a little different. It's just more unknown. You know, they could still be yeah. in the defense. It's just a little more unknown. Than I think was. I'm willing to buy on guys like Quiddy Pay and Uche because we saw them a fair amount last year, as I think they're going to be pretty good players. But, you know, like to your point, like we saw Josh Ross a fair amount too, but we didn't see him like this. No. We didn't see him. We saw Quiddy Pay because of Rashad Gary's injury yeah. and Uche playing serious snaps in like heavy, heavy moments. Mm -hmm. So I'll buy it. We didn't see Ambry Thomas. In those moments, or so Vincent we're going to have to see it. Yeah, yeah. certainly not Vincent Gray, and we didn't see Josh Ross in those moments, um, and we did see Devin Gill, and we didn't see. We saw some problems with him, right? So, yeah. and they still don't have a safety. They still need to yeah. find a safety alongside Josh Metellus. So Yeah, so uh, there's some issues there that need to be ironed out. I just don't know if that's. I think the offense is going to be the strength of the team, um, and I think it's. I think the offense could be very good. I really do. I think the offense could be. The best it's been in a while, um, and uh, I could be wrong. If it is, if it's not, uh, then I think that there's going to be some problems. But mm -hmm. I just think this is like I think Josh Gaddis at the end of the year is going to look back and say, "Boy, I walked into a really good situation," because they have a lot of ability uh, at where you need it, and they have a lot of difference makers um, that if you put them in the right spot, I just I think that it's. It's all going to be good, but uh, I've been wrong before, um, as everyone knows and likes to point out to me quite often. Uh, Jake, uh, from an offensive personnel standpoint, what's the difference between Rich Rod's philosophy and this speed and space thing? Everyone hated it when Rich Rod was the coach. Now they're clamoring, clamoring for it with Gaddis. I don't. I wasn't here <clears throat> when Rich Rod was the coach, but I would be willing to bet you 
that not everyone hated it. Yeah. Offensively, and I'm sure they hated the way the defense was played. But most people who know football probably saw that and were like, if you can get the right players in the right spots, that's going to be an awesome offense. And it was. Yeah. The final year he was the coach. It he, was amazing. He, he they never, were like top five in the country. Yeah, he didn't fail Michigan because of offense. Michigan has never had an offense that good yeah. since. He, he didn't fail because of the offense. It was... I think the, the thing Jake's touching on is like a lot of the old guard yeah. uh, fans who kind of casually watch blamed this notion of they weren't tough anymore because they were like running this fruit, fruit, you know, like this soft spread thing, which is not really true, and that that, that hurt their defense. So the the offense, for whatever reason, gets a lot of blame. And of course, that first year, the offense was horrible because they didn't have the personnel to play it. And if you want to criticize them for anything, I would think. In retrospect, that maybe it was maybe you should have either found a way to get better players in there or adjusted what you were doing to better yeah. fit your talent so you didn't just torpedo a season. Uh, whatever, that's neither here nor there. But I don't think that everyone hated it. I think I would say a lot of people probably enjoyed watching the, uh, the offense uh, in those days. But how is it different? Um, well, that was just a straight zone read read option offense. It's a little different than that. They weren't running RPOs back then. Yeah. Um, that stuff has been caught they up. They weren't too. running any pro-style stuff back then. Yeah, yeah. people have caught up to and that stuff. You have to be more diverse, yeah. which is why what this is, it will be parts of the best parts of that yes. coupled with the best parts of a pro-style offense, which is what most people who are forward-thinking now, they run that. Yeah. You know, just, I mean, you could see it at Rich Rod's last couple of years with Arizona even. It wasn't, it wasn't what... It wasn't working. Yeah. yeah. As you said, people have caught up to it. You have to have a quarterback who can throw the ball. Yeah. Can't just be a... A running back taking snaps anymore. So, um, but I always find that interesting. Is the most everybody hated it back then, and I'm like, I don't think that that's true. No, I no. think a lot of people, if we really look back, we're probably like, boy, if he could have just gotten somebody to help the defense, yeah. maybe it would have worked it out. Would've, but... It would have been real good. It would have had something if they just gotten the defense up to feed. Yeah, they were like 2010 when Dern, uh, Dern Robinson set all these records. And I'm gonna look it up where they were nationally. They were number eight. 488 a game. They've never had that since then. Not even close. Yeah. Not even close. Well, actually, I think Al Borges' first offense, the one that he inherited, was 404 a game, which is also pretty good, but whatever. Yeah. Um, we'll do one more and roll out. I had one and I lost it. And I wanted to do... Let me find it again. From John... Uh, do you honestly believe that Don Brown and Michigan have made all made and will make adjustments against the likes of Ohio State and Florida fast team fast in space teams? Boy, Josh Gaddis has gotten people on board with the space thing, hasn't he? This is like what a he's got a career in the marketing. If, it, if this doesn't work out, or is simply outscoring those teams a new solution? <coughs> um, do I? I have a hard time with this because I I don't know. Um, do I think Don Brown? Is overhauling everything they're doing? No. Do I think he looked at everything they did last year and said, like, none of this is work, we're throwing it in the trash? No. I did. So if, if if people are of the mindset that he needs to just, like, completely crater their coverage plan and turn it into something brand new, then they'll probably be disappointed because that's not going to happen. Um, I thought they used more zone checks last year than they did the previous year. I think you'll probably see that trend continue. But he made a great point in one of the last media availabilities we had with him in the spring we're talking about RPOs, which doesn't get talked about enough, uh, at least at least around here or in my mentions anyway. Everybody runs RPOs now, for the most part. Um, any, anybody who has any kind of dynamic offense runs an RPO, right? Um, you can't defend an RPO playing zone. Like, you can't do it. A team with a marginal offensive line and a marginal running game will run all over you. It doesn't matter how good or poor or whatever. They'll run all over you if you sit back in a zone. Uh, against RPOs all day. Minnesota did it to people last year at times because they had they just ran RPO every down, and if anybody backs off, you're just taking four or five yards every time, and then eventually somebody misses a tackle, and away we go. Maryland has done the same thing. So, I mean, like, it's you can't do it. So you have to be willing to pick your spots better, and I think, if anything, the adjustment against somebody like Ohio State is just going to have to be a better scouting report on your own, what you have, as opposed to what they have. I still maintain that the failure in that moment was was not Indiana gave Ohio State the blueprint. I, no, I think the failure in that moment was Michigan did a poor job of self-scouting and a poor job of scouting what Ohio State had that day 
comparatively speaking, to what Michigan had to defend it. I think they overestimated how fast they were and underestimated how fast Ohio State was. And it wasn't just on defense, too. It was on offense as well. I think it was across the board, right? Yeah, if want to get into that game again. And so I don't think it was this overall, Overall, well, people are going to get into that game until they play it again. Yeah. So we're going to be talking about this for the next hour many months. But I don't, think it was, I don't think it was some seismic problem other than, I mean, it was. But it was, it was not the one people are kind of chalking it up to be in that, you know, it, it's all man-to-man coverage's fault. Because they, they did other things in that game. And Ohio State just had, had the drop on every single one of them. And then he's, to the point John says about it, simply outscoring teams, the new solution. I don't think that's a solution, but I think that the possibility of that having having that as a possibility has to exist. I just think the way that the game is played and called and organized now, you have to have the ability to go into a game and, okay, if the defense doesn't have it today, because maybe they don't, we're going to have to be able to shoot out. And they just didn't have that. So I think, I don't think it's a solution. I don't think it's something you just rely on. I don't think you become West Virginia and say, oh, well, that's all we're going to do. Mm-hmm. We're just going to hope they fumble it. <laughs> you don't get the ball back. I don't think you do that. But it's an interesting question by John because it's like, uh, you have to have that option because I kind of look at it now like I look at maybe like a pitcher even where it's like, you, you can't, I don't think you can rely on your defense to be lights out like that every game. It's just not, it's called against them. Yeah, the game is called the way it's it's called for them to fail basically the way the rules are set up now. So having it as an option is is imperative, and I think that now more than last year certainly, and more than they've had in previous years, I think they would they should have that ability in their they should be able to score quick if they have yeah. to you know yeah. they should be able to play with tempo if they have to. Mm-hmm. And they didn't have that in their in their gun in the last few years, so I think that's part of anything to add on that. No, you got anything else today? Look for Ryan's coverage from the Peach Champ starting when? Tomorrow? Wednesday? Yeah, I'll be down there tomorrow. Tuesday, Wednesday. It starts Wednesday. <laughs> starts Wednesday. Yeah. So we'll have plenty from there. Um, and then, of course, as I said before, uh, <laughs> Big Ten Media Days are Football next week. Right the uh, although there will be a little bit more of a layoff because they moved them up this year. So there'll be a full. I think Michigan starts camp like uh, the first week of August, like the third, uh-huh. maybe something like that, second or third, yeah. somewhere there. So there'll be a little bit of a delay after media days, like a week and a half. But whatever. That's how it always goes. So in any event, football will be here before you know it, and we'll have plenty more to talk about. In the meantime, more Peach Jam stuff and the incoming freshman stuff coming later this week. Thanks for participating again, as always. For Orion, I'm Nick. Take care of each other. We'll talk to you later.